One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 90. I have such a treat for you today. I know I say this a lot, but this is one of my favorite interviews that I've done so far for this podcast. My guest for episode 90 is Masami Sato, and in our conversation, we discuss the power of the small everyday action when it comes to changing the world through your business. I was so inspired by everything Masami shared in this interview, and after recording, I felt more excited than ever by the power of small businesses like yours and mine. But before we get into the episode, I am so, so, so excited to tell you about my new membership program, Making Good Happen. Last week, I opened the doors to Making Good Happen, and I am so excited. I've had such amazing business owners sign up to be members already, and I'm kind of freaking out about how good this is going to be. So what is making good happen? Well, one thing I know all too well is that it is one thing to learn the things we know will take our businesses to the next level. And it's another thing entirely to actually take the actions that we need to take. It's the action that changes things for us, not the learning by itself. And that's what making good happen is all about. Making good happen is a monthly membership designed to help you custom build a marketing plan for your business. And more importantly, take the actions you plan to take month in and month out actually take the steps necessary to see the results you dream of. Making Good Happen includes a private members-only podcast called, you guessed it, Making Good Happen. There will be short and sweet episodes every weekday, ranging from mini pep talks to journaling prompts and action items. It also includes deep work sessions. So these are kind of like co-working on Zoom, but with no video or audio so that we can minimize distractions while we work together. It includes guided monthly marketing plan creation and an online community of other like-minded small business owners, accountability tracking of your most important deadlines, guest expert presentations each month, and more stuff that is a surprise because I just like surprises. And so that we can all kick off 2022 with a bang, Making Good Happen is officially launching the first Monday in January, January 3rd, 2022. If you are interested in joining, head to makinggoodpodcast.com slash happen and sign up for an email that will give you all the juicy details on the program. Because this is the first time this program has ever been offered, you can join and lock in this monthly price for as long as you're a member at the lowest rate it will ever be available at if you sign up by December 18th. This is a ridiculously good deal and I would so love to have you join. Again, you can get all of the details at makinggoodpodcast.com slash happen. Okay, so let's talk about today's episode. My guest is the amazing Masami Sato. Masami is the founder and CEO of B1G1, a social enterprise and B Corp based in Singapore. B1G1, also known as Buy One Give One, helps businesses around the world integrate effective giving into what they do. Today, B1G1 works with more than 2,800 businesses, and these businesses have created over 220 million giving impacts to date together. Masami has a diverse business background, is a two-time TEDx speaker, and the author of four books. She is also a mother of two teenage children. Her work originates in the belief that businesses with a real sense of purpose can make a real difference in the world. In our conversation, we discussed the power of the small everyday action, three critical components of business giving, the most beautiful analogy I've ever heard of businesses as pollinating bees, how to overcome procrastination when it comes to making an impact, how to make giving a habit, unique creative ways to give back, the power of kindness, and much, much more. 
I learned so much and was so inspired by this conversation, and I am so excited to share it with you. Here it is. Hey, Masami, welcome to Making Good. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. Great to be here. I'm really excited to talk with you. We have tried to get this scheduled for a while, and um, I'm so glad the day has finally come. So really looking forward to this conversation. I would love for you to introduce yourself to um, me and more importantly, the listeners of this podcast. And I know you have a long history in business. So I would love to hear the story about um, where your current business B1G1 came from and then Mm. maybe what got you started as a small business owner even before that. Mm. Um, Okay. So you know, it's hard to always decide where to begin <laughs> the story from. <laughs> um, I think, you know, talking about small business in particular, I think it's uh, good to start with my first interaction with a small business. And so that was actually my grandparents' business back in Japan in Tokyo. So um, my grandparents had a small family business and uh, um, growing up um, as a young child and my own parents were very, very busy working for different companies. So um, me and my sister both um, mostly spent our school holiday time with our grandparents and staying with them and helping their business um, every day. So serving customers or cleaning the shop. Or, so being in that you know, business environment, um, small family business environment, I learned so much. And even though I was like a shy, introverted child, but still for me, like business gave me a door to the world where I understood a lot of things that I couldn't learn at school. So that was kind of my beginning of entrepreneurship journey. <laughs> and then, what kind um, of business was it? Oh, it was just like a general shop and like selling food items or, uh, you know, it's like almost like a convenience store in today's sense, but it was a a shop like uh, deep rooted in the community. So people living in the neighborhood would pop by um, on the way to work, they stop. And so um, other than serving customers, like, uh, you know, as a business, there was this like a social interaction element because, you know, we knew a lot of customers um, who lived around us. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was the kind of beginning. <laughs> and then what happened was when I um, finished studying in Japan, I had the opportunity to really travel around the world. And up until then, I was this scared person and who didn't know much, you know, anything about what was happening outside of my own little world. But um, when I stepped out and without being able to speak English, because, um, you know, that was when I really started to learn English as well, uh, I started to really like uh, enjoy connecting with others and being very, very simple because I, I didn't have a complicated word to use. Um, I really uh, loved, you know, interacting with people in very simple ways. So um, in that time, uh, when I was backpacking and not having much <laughs> on a very low budget and um, often like staying at the people's homes or uh, doing exchange work. or So um, in, in that time, I started to become aware of the different kind of challenges people face around the world. And I started to question like why we were all doing what we were doing. You know, like my parents working so hard in the growing Japanese economy and trying to go up on the corporate like a, a ladder. And then at the same time, there are people who had so little and um, it just didn't make sense, but they were you know, still able to smile and still able to share their uh, limited food with me, like inviting me to eat with me or stay with them. And so I felt really quite confused and conflicted. And uh, eventually at, that, at one point, I thought like, well, this consumerism is the source of all evil. So I would just let go of everything and try to find uh, self-sustainable living, you know. Uh, so I moved to the countryside in Japan at one point and spent like a couple of years living with traditional farmers, you know, trying to create self-sufficient life. Um, and after all, like after two years, I realized that actually I was, you know, wrong because uh, there was no way that I could have a totally disconnected, self-sufficient life. And if I was trying to, 
uh, not to do the wrong thing and try to justify, you know, myself, then there was no uh, uh, goal like that I could reach happily. <laughs> so um, then I continued on on my journey, and eventually I became a mom, and I was traveling, and I um, uh, eventually settled in New Zealand and gave birth to my own um, first child. And that was then I really felt I wanted to do something rather than saying like world had so many issues and there were lots of street kids or, uh, but I couldn't do anything. Like, so that was how I felt before, but having my own child, I realized that it was really like important to me to do something and not to just to be the mom for my own child, but to do something for other kids too, if I could, and as much as I could. So that's when I started my very first business, which was food company. And eventually in the evolution of food business and all that, you know, as a result of all the hard work that we did, um, we were doing um, growing and our company was um, in Australia then uh, distributing packaged frozen healthy meals um, to more than 150 retail stores at one point. And uh, that was when this very simple idea of B1G1 came to me because, you know, I realized that I started my business because I wanted to do something and then give. Um, but our company was always, you know, growing. So we had to put all the resources back into business. And I never felt we were ready to do something great. So I thought, what if, you know, instead of trying to do something big in the future, we did something small and did it every day. And so that buy one, give one concept of, you know, every time we sell a meal, we contribute small proceed, small part of proceed to um, help feed and educate a street child. And so that was the kind of first time um, I uh, connected with the idea of B1G1, buy one, give one. And then eventually, several months later, um, I finally decided to sell my company in Australia back then and move to Singapore to start B1G1 as the business giving initiative to work with many businesses around the world to do this form of you know, embedded giving. And uh, it's been um, 14 years since then. So that's the kind of beginning. Yay. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So amazing. Um, one thing I really loved hearing you say was, you know, initially when you started this food business, you wanted to make a positive impact, but like as time went on and you grew the business, you just didn't feel ready. Like you were at the point where you could really make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is something that a lot of small business owners, particularly like really small business owners mm -hmm. will relate to because, you know, a lot of them start making their own product and, you know, you start your sales are low in the beginning and it feels like, how could I possibly make an impact when my business is so small? Um, so I love your philosophy, I guess, that like, it's kind of never too early to do that, right? Like mm -hmm. just bake it into your business. Embed it is the word you use into your business. And you don't have to wait till you reach a certain point. You can mm -hmm. just start making an impact now. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. <laughs> yeah. I would love for you to share a little bit more about your current business, B1G1, mm -hmm. and the kind of work that you do with businesses. Mm. Okay. So, um, I like the fact that you, you know, mentioned the word business, like your current business, because sometimes like people, you know, um, talk about the charity because what we are doing is fundamentally a giving initiative. So, um, the closest word to we can use to describe this kind of activity could be like charity, you know, traditionally. Mm -hmm. And actually B1J1 initiative has two parts. One is the business part and the second one is the charity part. Um, so um, for the facilitation of all of the giving that we do, then we actually um, uh, have a charity organizations, you know, registered in US as a charity to uh, actually manage that. But at the same time, actually this entire initiative has this like business component as at heart because, you know, we are social enterprise. Like we uh, believe in the fact that the businesses with a real sense of purpose can really change the world together. And so when we came up with this idea of B1J1 and how to make it work, we started out, you know, thinking that this is a social business. This is a business. 
And so the model of B1J1 has like a, a very much a business thinking about how to deliver value to um, businesses that we work with and make their social contributions as impactful and effective and meaningful as possible. So we really thought about, you know, what was really missing in the uh, general form of giving or business giving. And then we identified the three things, which was um, impact, habit and connection. So first of all, like, uh, you know, traditionally, um, the humanity was always giving and there were always charity organizations for like, you know, years and years, decades. <laughs> I, I don't know mm-hmm. how many hundreds of years charity organizations and social organizations existed, but there's always generosity in us that, you know, uh, would give. And, but at the same time, what was kind of missing in the conventional giving space was the impactfulness that um, people were giving just to, you know, for the sake of giving amount of money to a charity ABC, but they didn't quite understand what they were helping achieve with their giving. So we realized that we wanted to make the giving very impact-based. So um, in b one one today, we have uh, more than 450 um, high-impact projects and that were broken down in tangible like micro-units. So you could help for example, plant a tree, you know, tangerine tree in Malawi or a forest tree in the rainforest park. Or, so, um, so that's very impact-based. And another thing is the habit that if we do just ad hoc giving, just because we feel like, then, you know, we need to wait until like massive natural disaster or something happens to urge us to give, or we have to host a massive like a charity ball to raise funds, but that might cost a lot of money to, for us to do those things. And so mm-hmm. we realized that if we could embed effective giving in our day-to-day activities, that's already happening, such as business activities, because businesses are here driving our world. So that we thought was the key. And then finally, um, we wanted the giving to bring the sense of connection. And when we do this with businesses, then um, basically businesses are all connected with each other and also with our everyday act. So um, we realized that helping businesses connect and make a difference together and creating the sense of connection with their team and customers. So those things really mattered. So we developed a business um, uh, initiative and a membership model where businesses of all size and types can um, come together and contribute together. So we developed the systems, you know, we have widget that can count the number of impacts in so many different ways and businesses can embed those widgets on their website, like, you know, embedding the YouTube video and then to share the impacts that they are creating or they have a, a certificate of gratitude that they can download and send. Or So um, we always continuously think about the meaningfulness of and the value of um, creating a giving culture for businesses and try to drive value to them whilst making it simple and easy for them to give. And then we pass 100% of what they give to the um, causes that they choose to support through us. <laughs> Mm. So awesome. So cool. Um, so this is one way, obviously, that a small business could consider implementing a giving aspect to their business um, mm. is to join, like work with someone like you. Um, what would be for someone maybe just starting out who might yeah. not feel like they're quite there yet? Mm. Do you mm. have a process that you suggest for sort of figuring out how Mm -hmm. to incorporate or embed um, Mm -hmm. like a do good component. Yeah. Like um, it's actually, you know, the the most important uh, idea or um, perspective to have here is to make it just simple and easy as a start, because it's so easy to postpone things like when we overthink it or overcomplicate it. So when businesses have the intention, like we want to do good, then um, just thinking about, you know, um, one thing that happens in the business that uh, is symbolic or that is important to you. So for example, um, 
one of the examples of earlier adopters of B1J1 because we've been doing this for a long time. But, you know, some of the early stories always are very, very precious to us. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, many of those businesses still with us today. And so one company, um, as an example, was a fashion business. But when this lady called Karen started her business, she was just doing it because she liked, you know, doing uh, things in fashion. And she used to just to take some of her um, fashion items to uh, weekend farmer's market and had a little, you know, stall where she sold those things. And she didn't even have a physical shop or anything. And she discovered B1J1. And then um, even though, you know, she thought like, it might not make sense to me to be doing this because I'm just starting out and we are not making much money. But she did it because she resonated with it. And then in the beginning, she decided that uh, for every piece of product she sells, she wanted to contribute toward girls' education to help girls um, uh, continue to study in some countries like Cambodia so that they don't uh, get affected by risk of child trafficking. So that's what she did. So she gave a little bit for each product. And um, we, you know, in the old days, we used to notice her giving because it was very, very frequent. She was giving like every day. And we thought, you know, we used to think like, oh, that must be taking so much of her time. And she could actually accumulate the giving and do it like monthly or something. So one day we asked her, like, why why do you give every day? Then she said, Actually, it mattered to her because it reminded her of why she was doing what she was doing. So she continued mm-hmm. to give regularly. Then we then started to notice that her impacts and giving uh, started to get bigger and bigger over the years. <laughs> so we were mm-hmm. kind of quietly noticing it. And then what, what we discovered later, years later was that, you know, basically with that, you know, commitment to make a difference and do good and attracting the right people in her own business mission, she started to grow and she had retail stores and then she eventually um pivoted also to more doing online business and she is doing multi-million dollar business now and her giving is uh, so much bigger and uh, she is still with us and giving and she still talks mm-hmm. about how that part really mattered to her. So I think just thinking about, you know, simplicity of what you resonate you know, with, like what problems do you care about? And it, it can be all sorts of things, right? Because it's overwhelming to see all sorts of things like around us and feel powerless. But if you know that, well, actually every call, you know, meeting that you have, you could be planting a tree to celebrate the nice conversation we have. And it might just cost you yeah. a couple of dollars to do, you know, <laughs> or uh, in our company too, we do all sorts of creative giving. So every email we send, um, we actually do make an impact because, you know, impacts in B1J1 can start with just one cent. So uh, actually anything is possible. Um, we can turn wow, any activity into that. giving activity. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that with the email so much. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have other, so now that I'm excited about this, these two ideas, the emails mm. and the calls, like donating mm. for each of those. What are some other kind of like creative ways that we can give that's not just, I guess, like my personal way of donating currently is I donate 5%, which is great. And I feel good about it, but I Mm. love this creative approach that Mm. you have. So are there other ideas similar to the, you donate per email or donate per Mm. phone call? Yeah. Yeah. So there are uh, all sorts of things you could do. Some like really creative things is to really like tune into the opportunities to do good together. And so sometimes like things like the fun ones could be uh, every time somebody spot the typo in our article we give. (laughs) <laughs> because then it makes people go like, you know, have fun. Like, um, and it was at every opportunity and, um, also to actually celebrate the moments together, you know, like whether it's a, a high moment or a low moment <laughs> or a learning moment. And so we, um, you know, we hear so many different creative um, ideas. Some businesses choose to do things like whenever the team members are having birthday, instead of just giving a, conventional present, we let them choose the giving that they want to do. Or um, So giving can be a great way to open up like 
the generosity inside the culture of business. And also, you know, even when somebody's running a business alone, right? Like then it's sometimes very lonely to be doing it alone. Mm -hmm. But the moment you are able to celebrate the things together, because every time like business, you know, interact with people, whether it's customer, clients or suppliers or so if we are able to use these moments to do something generous together, then instead of like just doing business and, you know, always talking about um, business deals in a traditional sense, like <laughs> how much that is it, is it, does it cost or how quickly can you deliver this? Like those kind of conversations, like that's important. But at the same time, when we actually can step out of that and to do something together for something greater than ourselves or something that uh, outside of our own like uh, uh, interest, you know, then uh, actually that, you know, sense of connection that can, that can be created could be very interesting. So I think uh, I highly recommend that, you know, start with simple, like, because we don't need to do too many things at once because then we will delay, (laughs) but just pick one first and then do something or just set, uh, let's say, you know, certain budget for social good. Like, so if you had a target, like, oh, you are happy to allocate just 1% of your business, you know, um, uh, resources, whether it's a revenue or, you know, product sale or just 1%, but to social good. And then once you have that um, kind of target, then it makes you, uh, makes it really easy for you to think about what you want to use that 1% for. And then, uh, uh, idea is endless because, you know, you can actually like, you can stick with one thing for long term. That's really also good too. But some of the things you might want to do it more creatively ad hoc. So sometimes like you might think about, okay, season of giving is coming. And this year we want to involve our community or our clients in uh, choosing the type of giving that we want to do together to celebrate it. And so we can thank everybody for the part that they play or, yeah. So, um, so that like, I would leave it to the imagination and the feeling of uh, each entrepreneurs, but the most important thing is not to delay and do it now and start soon because, you know, in life, we, we, we kind of know that we never know what happens like in the long run. Right. So if we can celebrate our everyday wins rather than trying to delay our greatest pleasure to later point of time, then uh, that is definitely better than, you know, uh, trying to do something big, but not do it now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. I'm glad that the conversation brought us here because one of the things I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you about was the role of procrastination in doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, which for me, I think that procrastination is really connected to perfectionism. Like we want to do it big and do it perfectly. So we're just going to wait until that moment comes. But what what do you think holds businesses back from just taking that first step to, you know, make us take a small action, even if it's not a huge, if it doesn't feel huge, maybe, but it is important to get started, like you say. So what holds people back from doing that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like everyone has a good intention, but we also have a distraction <laughs> on a day to day. And um, I like to you know, look at the things like, uh, uh, behavioral economics, because, you know, we, with all the good intention that we have or all the goals that we set, like, why do we actually fail? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are all capable individuals. So, uh, learning about that is very interesting. And I I don't blame anybody because I have the same problem, you know, of Mm -hmm. some of the human weakness (laughs) in achieving my own uh, goals as well. So, um, I, I think the key part is, you know, definitely the simplicity because we generally like overcomplication of, or, or, you know, thinking a lot uh, about uh, what goes wrong, <laughs> like all that kind of things prevents us. So actually just, the, you know, at one point of time we realize, oh, actually we want to do this, then just identifying one small but tangible action. And then find a way to stick with this, whether to have uh, some form of delegation or automation <laughs> or peer support. So if, for example, uh, making a difference mattered, 
No, but you are very busy. Then, oh, maybe you just set the automatic monthly recurrent giving to do carbon offset. So every month you just at least offset the carbon for your team, you know, by doing that. Or um, then it happens automatically. So that's one way. Another thing could be like if you have some people working for you, then instead of you trying to do everything, you know, just saying, okay, uh, somebody in our team may love to actually be the giving champion. <laughs> and then the moment you delegate, your role is changes to somebody you, who have to do it because somebody who supports somebody else, you know, doing it and then get the maximum joy out of it. So I think when we understand our own uh, weakness or distraction, um, finding a way quickly to just mitigate that, like a take away that complication or distraction and just do one small simple thing, but do it in such a way that you can continue to do and create, turn that into habit um, is really, really useful, I think. Yes, such great suggestions. Um, I think we've covered this a little bit, but one thing I know you talk about is the power of the, like the regular everyday action mm. and I guess how small things add up. Um, could you go into that and just maybe I'd love to hear what you have to say on that. I know it'll be super inspiring. So, um, the, I like using metaphor in many things because that makes things like easy to understand. Um, so for me, when we think about the uh, power of everyday action or power of business, um, then I think about the um, pollinators of the world, like bees. And so when we look into the world of bees, what we discover is that um, these tiny, tiny creatures that we don't even notice on a day-to-day basis are responsible for majority of our food production. So we depend on them so much. Um, and they are tiny, and but the power um, that you know, they have is, uh, in the day to day things that they are doing, which is, uh, them going out, flying out and pollinating flowers as they collect the nectar and they doing it as a part of who they are, you know, they're not doing it for social responsibility, (laughs) but it's just that that's what they do naturally. And so when we think about our day to day action and the businesses doing what they do, actually businesses are designed to be the pollinators of the world to create the abundance, shared abundance for us and to make our life better. So there is fundamentally the structure of business being the kind of um, abundance creators. But over the years of you know business development, um, we started to go off the initial intention and became so um, focused on maximization of profit alone. So when we do that, then what happened is we are trying to extract more nectar without pollinating because pollinating slows us down, <laughs> or you know we have to carry more stuff on our legs <laughs> as bees. Mm-hmm. So um, when we became so smart to extract more, um, but forgetting that the business's day-to-day activities actually involve the giving back and nurturing the soil of our, you know, ground and so that we can have a continuous abundance. And that's why um, we realized that the um, effective giving and the sense of generosity and caring for the world need to be coming, you know, to be back with the business activities day to day. Because then, uh, even when we are not even thinking about the social responsibility, actually those good things can happen through the everyday things that we automatically and naturally do everywhere around the world. And those business and day-to-day activities can overcome all of the differences and barriers that we have, like borders or different idealism or culture, or you know, because businesses are actually everywhere, touching people's lives. So that's why I believe that the day-to-day things that the businesses do and the people do, if we could do more good you know, to, to spread that um, sense of caring and generosity through this, that's going to be very, very powerful. Hmm. I love that metaphor. And I love just the way that you talk about um, businesses being like pollinators mm-hmm. of abundance. I think that's just such a really beautiful way to think about small about business. And for me, small business. Um, I, I don't know, I think business kind of can get a bad reputation. I, I think growing up, I used to feel like I could either do something that would make the world a better place or mm-hmm 
I could work in business, you know, that they were different. Um, and so I just love how you kind of, I don't know, like just the lens that you view business through. It's like business can, business has created a lot of problems in the world, mm. in my opinion, but it can also solve a lot of problems. And it's mm. really just a matter of like all of this intention that you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. Like, so, you know, back then, like, uh, I think businesses and charities were very different things and uh, they, they seem to operate in the opposite way or something. But I think the new form is the um, hybrid organizations. Um, some of them are called social enterprises, but some are just businesses which had stronger social mission or some are charities which have very good commercial acumen, you know, and creativity to uh, create the sustainability without being 100% dependent on like uh, people's good intention to donate money. Or, so I think the more we can come to the middle, the better the world become. Because businesses, you know, caring and making different decisions actually can have a huge impact in the world. And but then also certain problems may not be solved by businesses because there is no money to be made. So that charity models are still important. But then charitable organizations also need to move more, you know, toward the value generation model so that they don't need to be worried always about uh, sustainability of the work them, they are doing. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, that, that is the kind of like a part that we, we all get to play as entrepreneurs and even running small businesses. We are actually creating this new movement and trend and everything we do or say, uh, um, and share actually matters. Yes. Yes. So you talked about different forms of businesses. Your business is a B Corp. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So I would love, can you just share a little bit about what it means Mm. to have a B Corp and what kind of businesses it might be a good fit for? Okay, so um, because earlier I talked about B1J1 having two parts, one is the commercial enterprise and another one is the charity. So the B Corp um, certification is given to the business entity because we are social enterprise. And then um, for uh, initiative like ours, you know, just because we are social enterprise, we cannot easily just get the B Corp approval because B Corp has uh, many different elements in uh, giving the accreditation. So you um, go through all sort of assessment and then verification process. And uh, so attaining B Corp status is actually not very easy, but it's a good thing that we actually reflect on because, um, you know, B Corp assessment test can be taken by anybody for free. So uh, if you are interested, then you can just go to B Corp website and then take the assessment assessment, you know, free assessment, and then you can see your rating and which part of your business practice you can improve. So some of the expectations that the B Corp set may be more suitable for like larger companies, I believe, but actually even smaller businesses too, we can have the um, B Corp indicators as like a um, goal, you know, to work toward. So when you are setting like a new uh, uh, employment process, you know, hiring process, or when you are crafting a company handbook, and these are the things that you will enjoy doing through business development. So when, as you are, you know, business grow and some more team members start to join, then you might set a project like, let's identify our culture, you know, much more clearly and start crafting a company handbook, which incorporate all these kind of fairness um, policy in our employment practice or so um, at least like as a, you know, key uh, external measurement, uh, that would be a very useful thing to, to look at. And then if any companies uh, successfully became <coughs> B Corp, then that's a, a great news. And I think together, if we inspire more businesses to think about their business practice, not just about their own product and service and how to make it more socially responsible or um, environmental friendly, like those are important things that we could all do. But at the same time, B Corp also gives us like uh, other factors like, you know, um, how you are treating your employees or um, what kind of policies you are setting. And so uh, that's actually very interesting thing to look at. So definitely highly recommend that um, if anybody interested in uh, B Corp want to learn more, then uh, you can visit their website. Awesome. Thank you. Um, one of the f- 
sort of final questions I have for mm. you. I have a few questions left. One is how can kindness change the world? <laughs> well, I think um, everyone may have a may have different answers for that, but what we may not disagree <laughs> with is that actually kindness um, creates so much good in the world and in our environment. So if we think about the world, like imagining two, two types of world, one is the world of, uh, you know, giving and caring and kindness. And the other one is, uh, the world of, let's say self-interest and competition and, uh, you know, being unkind <laughs> and trying to win the game, everybody trying to get more from each other, right? Like, and then think about which world do you want to belong to? And then I feel like not many people will choose this like unkind, uh, vicious world where everybody's trying to get more, steal from each other and not trusting each other. You know, I think people generally want to be in a place where people can be kind to each other, help each other, support each other, share more with each other. And so, um, what happened in the world sometimes is that even though we all understand this importance of like, um, you know, humanity, kindness and, uh, uh, caring, but just because what we see in front of us, sometimes we go, Oh, you know, everybody else is doing this. <laughs> or nobody else cares. So I would do behave like this. And then uh, we get kind of sucked into because of this, I, I, it's okay for me to do this kind of, you know, thinking. But at the same time, if we um, uh, totally just step out of that thinking and then we go like, what makes me feel the best? And to be the uh, best me today, then, uh, no matter what happens, like no matter how others react or do or say, if we decide to be kind, to be open-minded, to listen, to respect the people, to enjoy life, to smile, to have fun and to care and to love. And if we could do that, if we just could do that, no matter what happens, then we just know that we have a better world <laughs> because we can come together and work together. We can have uh, open conversations and discuss issues. And when we disagree, we could still listen. We could still be open-minded, still ask the questions, still try to understand and still try to come up with a compromise or, uh, yeah. So I think kindness is really such a catalyst, like kindness or caring or empathy, um, uh, generosity, uh, <laughs> you know, these things really do matter. And that's why I think the more of this we can incorporate in our day-to-day things like business, then it's going to be the biggest change maker, I think, because, you know, the world already have a great technology, great knowledge <laughs> and great power, creativity, amazing, amazing skills of people. Like we have all these amazing things already. It's just that sometimes we lose um, the sense of why we are doing what we do and why we are all here together. Mm, so beautiful. This question, I feel like we have spent most of the conversation answering, but how do you do good through your business? I feel like we have talked about that in a lot of different ways, but I mean, I guess what is your... Like if you could make one impact on the world through B1G1, what would that be? Um, probably the most important thing um, for the world or for m- moving forward together is to not to judge and, uh, you know, like not to judge immediately because what happened is in the goodness world (laughs) or social impact world, we are all trying uh, to create good. And then sometimes with all the good intention too, sometimes certain things we implement, there could be like unintended consequences. Like, and then we've seen that in the social space too. Um, I don't know if you recall things like uh, when, you know, 
famous iconic company like Tom's Shoes were uh, very admired for what they were doing for, you know, giving pairs of shoes mm-hmm. to children um, to prevent them from getting the disease and things like that. But then years later, um, people started to discover that when Tom's Shoes were giving a massive number of shoes, it was causing problems for local like uh, you know, production and the trade um, of the local people. And so sometimes with great intention, over the years, we may learn something else was there. And But the thing is, um, it's so easy for us to jump onto like judgment and then to go like that was wrong. And, and, you know, they did it wrongly and point the finger at some, someone. But when we, uh, when we do so, it, it might naturally discourage um, people from taking any action because people don't want to be criticized or people don't want to make mistakes mm-hmm. or be wrong. And so the, all, all of that um, judgment might take away uh, the potential to do good. But I think what's more important in doing good space is to actually do something and then to be open to learn from it and open to be um, sometimes Mm -hmm. wrong, but then to come up with then what's better, how to collect it, how to adjust our approach. And because the world is continuously changing, the approach that worked last year or, you know, last decade may not work in the future. And we may need to change things. So that's why I feel like even though we talked all about doing mm-hmm. good things, <laughs> uh, what I think is really important is that we actually be open, you know, to learn and to do good in a way we think is good today, but to be um, open to the potential change coming up that we will continue to do our good with the uh, right genuine intention to help people but at the same time we can be humble <laughs> and then not to be like uh, uh, like you know tr- trying to just do huge things like very, too quickly because taking small steps like we learn more along the way and then collect our actions and keep going and to actually appreciate the small moments and every person who helps us make those journeys. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so that was a nice question. <laughs> yeah, that was a great answer. Thank you. I think that's such an important point um, that, yeah, to just do the best you can. And when you know better, you you know, you might learn that there's a better way to do things and to just do it better when you can. But, I mean, I think what you're describing is just sort of like, yeah, the humility and the willingness to be wrong and to not maybe get defensive about it. Um, but just try to do the best thing you can in the moment. I think that's, that's such a great point to make. What is one small business that you admire? Oh, one small business. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I admire so many businesses and uh, small businesses I admire because actually like, you know, why would anybody start a business when they could be working elsewhere and earn probably better money <laughs> and you end up working so much more and, you know, you may have a uh, no clear line between life and mm-hmm. work <laughs> or family and work. And that's like small business. And uh, that's why every person who runs small business admires, um, I, I admire. And also because I grew up, you know, seeing my pa- grandparents r- run their businesses. And for them, it was just like the thing of their life, like the way of being, because their shop was at their house, you know. So uh, when we are having breakfast together, we could see customer walking in, then we go out and serve mm. this customer. <laughs> so, um, so I, I really admire people who run small businesses because they have uh, this embodiment of, you know, business and the family together and that family value naturally convey into the way they run their businesses. So I wouldn't pick any one single particular business, but I admire every person um, running their own small mm-hmm. business. What is one book you would recommend? Oh, book. Um, it's, that's a um, challenging question for me because I read like generally like reading um, books uh, t- that talks about the behavioral economics and things like that, because it's always those like findings around the human psychology and how we behave. <laughs> it's yeah. very interesting to me. So there are lots of books that relate to that. 
Um, but then, um, because I knew you were going to ask this question, I was just looking at my bookshelf um, before this call. And then I <laughs> just picked up two things. One is actually the book of adventures of painting, <laughs> because I used to read this with kids and I was like really into this. Um, so what, you know, what these kind of books gives Book, the Adventures of Tintin. Oh, yay! <laughs> <laughs> I love no, that. because I, I love these stories, and you know, because it just gives takes you out into the world, into different realities, and makes you feel um, creative and open. And mm-hmm. another book I picked up from my bookshelf is Bucket List, and this is not a book written by somebody, but it's an open book um, um, that you we can write in. Then I thought, oh, bucket list, like I left it in the bookshelf for so long and didn't actually look at it. So thank you for asking that question, because this book is about us filling in what we want to do in our life and actually do it. So Mm -hmm. I will look into this now. Oh, I love that. What a great, what a great (laughs) reminder. Um, Where can people who are interested in learning more about B1G1 or just learning more about you in general, where should they go to connect, sorry, to connect with you online? Mm. Uh, So if you are interested in um, finding out more about the B1G1 initiative, then you can go to b1g1.com. And if you forget, then you can type buy one, give one on Google, then we will still come up. (laughs) (laughs) And another place you can find me uh, as a person is probably uh, LinkedIn is the best place. So you can go to LinkedIn and uh, search for me. Amazing. Masami, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. This has been one of my favorite episodes. I just could listen to you talk forever. So, um, wow. I'm just excited to share this with everyone. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Lauren. It's been a pleasure, you know, talking with you and thank you for all the lovely questions as well. When I finished editing this conversation, I had literally pages of ideas and notes I hope you were as inspired as I was by Masami's story and work. Learn more about how you can join B1G1 at B1G1.com. And more details on this episode can be found in the show notes at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 90. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so love for you to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And finally, I would love to work with you inside of Making Good Happen, my brand new membership kicking off in January. To reserve your spot and lock in the lowest monthly rate that will ever be available, get the details at makinggoodpodcast.com slash happen. And again, to lock this price in, be sure to sign up before December 18th. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.